Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who at first glance of today's subject's face became instantly obsessed, attracted, and tipped the scales into who my V is going to be. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty cute. And I'm Vervada. But I'm also the girl who felt the complete opposite once I got to know today's subject a bit more. So get ready for two girls, one fight. (laughs) Just kidding. We respectfully disagree around these parts. I'll fight you. Bring it on. Okay. (laughs) I will instantly submit. (laughs) I am not a fighter. Oh, and if you're new here, welcome to the chaos. But you should know our podcast centers on characters and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking, or from the emotional connections built between characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, Sam. Also, there will be brief mentions of self-harm in today's episode. So here's your content warning for suicidal ideations. Today's episode is on Carrie Uridine from Cyberpunk 2077. Steal yourself for a long story. I just really want it to be tragic. Sad as all fuck over all those years. Because if I hear you spent them with the nomads, open road, winning your hair, more cool and relaxed in orbit, and now you just pop by to shit all over my life? Well, I'm going to lose my damn mind. (laughs) Uh, I think there might be more cursing in this episode than even Jack's episode for Mass Effect 2. So buckle up, buttercups. Carrie Uridine is an original member of the band Samurai, the same band that your brain buddy Johnny Silverhand was lead vocals for. This is where he achieved his initial fame in the 2010s, but the two clashed often over their differing visions of how to change the world through music. We already know what Johnny's idea was, anti-corporal terrorism, but right before Johnny's final run up Arasaka Tower and his glorious nuclear goodbye to Night City, he told Carrie to leave the band and go off on his own. It's heavily implied that Carrie is in love with Johnny, even into 2077. He was also hidden in his shadow. So once Carrie went out on his own, his music managed to become globally famous. His albums are all platinum. His broken guitars have been auctioned for thousands of eddies, and his songs are recognized around the world. He even settled down and got married and had a couple of kids. That didn't last, though. 
And after they were divorced, he fully embraced the rocker boy lifestyle. Just in case you didn't know, because I didn't until I played 2077, but Cyberpunk was originally a tabletop RPG game. The first edition of the tabletop game was published all the way back in 1988, in ancient days, (laughs) just kidding, called Cyberpunk 2013. This is where we first meet Johnny Silverhand and his band Samurai, including Carrie. That's something really interesting about Carrie. He's the only romance option in 2077 that appeared in the tabletop version of the game. Something to note, however, is Cyberpunk 2077 is not a direct sequel of the tabletop game, but it is a continuation of that world and the people in it. So first shots fired. In 88, I was already two. So fuck you. (laughs) It's not the ancient times. (laughs) I know. I was not yet born. I was still a couple years away. I'm a 90s kid. (laughs) I was born in the 80s, but I'm definitely a product of the 90s. Yeah. I feel like a product of the 80s because my parents, that was like their time. So all the movies I watched and everything growing up was all Mm -hmm. 80s stuff. Yeah. Seemed like a good decade. Missed out. It was fun. It was fun. But a, uh, a few years after 2013 was released, they came out with another version set further in the future. And oh, do I have many stories to tell about playing Cyberpunk 2020. It was the first time that my now husband was my game master, and my character was at face value, just another gun for hire. But secretly, she was a corpo spy, recording all of the details of the crew. Eventually, her team grew on her, And she started turning her cams on while walking in high security areas and used that footage to take down the very people who forced additional mods on her. I also played the Cyberpunk 2020 trading card game. And the trading card game where you build decks based around a central theme and then use them to wage wars against an opponent. Uh, Very similar to Magic the Gathering or Pokemon. Uh, pretty much name a trading card game that came out in the 2000s, and I probably played it. But back to Carrie. He is a totally different person in a lot of ways from the anti-corpo rocker boy from the Samurai days. After Samurai split up and Johnny was nothing more than lines of codes inside of Mikoshi, Carrie signed with a corpo label and made it big. In a lot of ways, he joined the dark side according to Johnny. And now he spends most of his time in the Grand Villa in North Oak. Basically the Calabasas of Night City, which for our non-American listeners is a city with a reputation for luxury as well as privacy, which makes it a prime spot for A-list celebrity residents. But after achieving fame and glory on his own, Carrie started to become socially isolated and withdrew back into his past of being forever overshadowed by Johnny. It's heavily implied that Carrie has depression and is an alcoholic and potentially an addict, if not a user of other illicit substances. He will occasionally venture back to the Philippines and go off grid with his guru for some spiritual growth, but otherwise he stays at home and throws wild parties, if the general disarray of his villa is anything to go by. Carrie isn't enjoying fame, the fancy mansion, or the frequent hookups he has, though. Before V meets Carrie, the Night City scream sheets are filled with stories about an apparent suicide attempt Carrie made recently. That's actually what made Johnny interested in going to visit Carrie and see how he's doing. 
there is a heart buried somewhere beneath all that hate. So V and Johnny make their way to North Oak and sneak into Carrie's fancy villa. The shower is running, the bathroom door is closed. So after you poke around for a minute, Johnny prompts you to let him into the driver's seat. After you take one of Misty's special pills, Johnny grabs a guitar off the wall and proceeds to play a song. You can pick from the following choices. Chippin' In, Never Fade Away, and Archangel. I'm pretty sure longtime listeners will know which song I'm picking. Yeah, I had to pick it too. Whichever song you choose, Johnny begins to play it, and the sound alerts Carrie to the intruder and he comes out of the bathroom, dripping wet and holding a loaded gun. He'll kind of allude to this much later on in his quest line, but this can be interpreted as another suicide attempt that Johnny interrupted. He immediately points the gun at you and demands you keep playing. He's probably questioning his sanity right now, hearing music he hasn't heard in about 54 years. Despite his appearance, Carrie is in his 80s, and thanks to cybernetics and access to the best anti-aging treatments in Night City, he still looks basically the same as he did in the 2020s when Johnny last saw him. Once you convince Carrie of your identity, the two will reminisce about the good old days. For Johnny, they don't feel that far away, and for Carrie... They are what he desperately misses. It's obvious that, despite his fame and fortune since samurai days, Carrie believes that that was his true peak. Even though he is now more famous than Johnny, he still feels left behind, stuck in the past, because he was in love with Johnny. He even has 2023 tattooed on his right arm, the year that Johnny died. It's the main reason he is no inspiration to write music anymore and is turning into a washed-up has-been. So, the next goal is to get the band back together for one last gig, one last reunion concert where they can lay it all out on the stage. Everyone but Johnny from the original band is still alive, thanks to cybernetics and whatever else they got going on. So Carrie and V set about gathering everyone together. This is a fun bit of side-questing, but it does highlight one really problematic thing, in my opinion, about Carrie. Samurai's ex-bassist, Henry, is a drug addict, currently in rehab, and the bane of their drummer Denny's existence. So what does Carrie do? He breaks Henry out of rehab and gives him drugs to convince him to play with them. Henry instead pours concrete into Denny's fancy-ass pool, and the two of them will not play together. Uh, seriously, I'm Carrie giving drugs to an addict is just, like, ethically and morally very wrong. I agree. It is. And that is a rough spot. But it's also realistic. Addicts are always the first to offer the drug of choice. If you have more willpower than me to turn it down, more power to you. But if you want to deviate with me, oh, I am here for the ride. So no, it's not a good thing. But it's real. I'm not defending Carrie's actions. And in my head... Uh, siding with Denny means that Henry goes back to rehab. I, I like to think that he would make that choice to return instead of returning to the streets. Yeah, I sure hope so. But I was just watching Intervention today, so I guess you never know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Some of the people, you they get the help and then they go right back. Yeah. Which is why, I mean, I hope I want everyone to be happy and healthy. So if you choose Denny, hopefully Henry gets put back in rehab and he gets better. Agreed. 
And once that dispute is settled, Denny agrees to play the concert as long as they find a stand-in bassist, or Henry agrees to play and they find a stand-in drummer. They do that, and the scene is set for Samurai's final gig, 54 years after their last concert. They find a nice dive bar and get ready to play. And wow, everyone has aged incredibly well. And that is to say they've barely aged at all. Keep in mind, the original samurai bandmates are all in their 80s. And when they get up on stage and play, you cannot tell by the way that they move. Uh, This concert is exactly what Carrie needed. A chance to prove to himself that he can perform just as well as Johnny. That his fame did not happen only because Johnny was out of the picture. It tells me that Carrie has some extreme emotional immaturity. If the problems of 2023 Carrie are still the problems of 2077 Carrie. He clearly made a successful career for himself in the years since. But emotionally, he's been stagnant. I don't think Carrie even knows what he wants as is often the case with us complicated and messy humans. The grass always seems greener on the other side, and we don't often realize what we have until it's gone. Carrie wanted fame, but was overshadowed by Johnny. Carrie got famous, much more famous than Johnny, but it turns out that it didn't lead to happiness either. The game mentions that Carrie is notoriously hooking up with just anyone giving all the littered bras, pants, and other clothing items that are not his at all over his floors, But that hasn't made him happy either. Carrie was married and had kids, but he refuses to participate in his kids' lives and instead just supports them financially from a distance. What does he want? It turns out that Johnny helps him figure it out with their one last samurai gig. After a fantastic concert, Carrie will say this. This is fucked up. Who it is? Actually, got pretty nervous for this thing. Felt like I had something to prove to myself, to you, whoever the fuck. But all I did was have a good time. It's so cute. All I did was have a good time. So cute. And you can tell. He had a great time. Carrie opens up to Johnny. But the second he realizes that V is back in control, he makes himself scarce. It's pretty tragic, honestly. To see him pining after his dead friend... And also a bit cruel, because Johnny isn't exactly dead, is he? Cruel all around. Because Johnny is alive without really being alive. Before Carrie leaves, he gives you his gun. Archangel. The same one he pointed at you in his house. And the implication is that he no longer needs the gun because he has a renewed interest in life. And of course, right when things feel like they're going right, Something happens that makes Carrie lose his shit. Carrie is hot-headed, like most people in Night City. But add fame on top of that, and he doesn't face consequences to his actions all that often. His fortune helps, too. Paying for damage and for people to keep quiet, I'm sure. A J-pop girl group called Us Cracks has announced a tour with a cover of one of Carrie's songs. And he didn't know about it. Carrie naturally fears falling under someone's shadow again, so he hires V to sabotage the band's equipment so their gig cannot happen. Brilliant plan. He literally gets military-grade equipment and blows up some shit 
causing the NCPD to give chase. Once you two lose the cops, you kick back in a greasy spoon diner, and it's clear that Carrie is back in the past, reminiscing about the good old chaotic days of his youth with Johnny. Dwelling in the past is vulnerable for Carrie, though, and he fears that Johnny was right about him after all. Did he sign with the corporation for money and fame, and not for the love of music? Of course, Carrie's plan wasn't a good one, because it was last-minute rage response. So all it took for us cracks to be able to perform was getting some new concert equipment. Right before their concert, you join Carrie in a last-ditch effort to stop them from performing his song. He barged into their dressing room with a gun and demanded that they not perform. Of course, they just fangirled over meeting him in person. And it turns out his label made a decision for him. We signed a deal with MSM to play Carrie Sons user-friendly. It's like our new single for the North American leg of the tour. Over my dead body. But we're going to bring your rock into a new era. Isn't that what you want? Rock? You? Okay, let me tell you something. It's been claimed before, but you actually did it. Rock is dead, and you killed it? Congratulations! Your manager contacted ours, said you wanted to work with us. Call the check? The fuck? He, he never even asked me! Congratulations is something that I've been using for years, and I love hearing it. Ugh. V can influence how Carrie ends this interaction, either prompting him to see that the label has screwed both parties over, which will make Carrie apologize and offer to collaborate in the future with the group. Or V can encourage Carrie to go along with the plan, and he will threaten them and the concert will be cancelled. Either way, Carrie seems happy with the result. If you had Carrie apologize, the next time you see him in a club called Dark Matter... There will be a surprise collab album announced with Us Cracks and Carrie in a huge party. If not, the club will be empty and Carrie will tell you that despite the band promising not to play his song, they do anyway and send Carrie a restraining order. This outcome pushes Carrie even further into washed up and spiteful old rocker boy. So I personally wouldn't choose that. Obviously, the apology decision goes much better for Carrie. But either way, Carrie's next move is to go after his manager, Kovacek. He knows he signed his life away to the Corpos, and he feels regret. But he also knows it's too late to do anything about it. He'll lead you up on the balcony of the club, where he looks so sad and forlorn. I also like the work-together decision better. Uh, I think it's fun to watch them doing their little mini-concert afterwards. It's cute. The girls all up there in their, like, flamboyant colors and being all perky and happy. And Carrie's still in, no, I'm in my black rocker <laughs> leathers. It's just, I love it. I know. I wish we could hear their cover. Like, I would like to know what that would sound like. Agreed. I mean, even though we only get, like, the two seconds when we walk in after, but it's still a cute look together. Carrie will acknowledge his fears to V, saying that he was so upset by the cover of his song and his manager's actions, because he feared being seen as just another cog in the corpo machine. His true fear, one we've touched on already, is being second fiddle. He helped Johnny shine for years, afraid that he couldn't succeed without Johnny. 
54 years later. He's the living definition of success in the music industry in Night City, but it clearly isn't his definition of success. But as Johnny put so eloquently, Night City is a place where you fall asleep thinking you're special just to wake up and realize you're not. Johnny was fine with that. He wasn't out to be special. But Carrie? That's all he wanted. Yeah. Carrie gives me I didn't get enough hugs as a kid vibes. Like, honestly, he's so desperate for love, for validation, for that basic human need of being seen and accepted. He's looking in all the wrong places for that, though. In Johnny's flashbacks, we see him doing the same behavior he's still known for doing, engaging in casual sex, fearful of not being good enough, and compensating for that with some wild rocker boy fashion. I'm not shaming casual sex, but for Carrie, I think he's looking for love. He loved Johnny. Johnny didn't love him back. So he just found some temporary bomb for that burn in the bodies of groupies. He's still doing that. And to me, that's an issue. Almost 60 years of this behavior. It's really sad to me. He's never let anyone close. You can see the times he starts to let V in when he removes his sunglasses. Sunglasses on is Carrie Uridine, the rock star. Glasses off, and it's just Carrie, lonely and insecure. And it was the eyes that drew me in to start with. There's a lot behind them, and I fully agree. It would take a lot to bring down the walls around his heart. And there's just something about care that makes me want to love him in whatever ways he can accept. It may not be the way that I want to love him, but the only way he currently knows how. And it begs the question, why does Carrie get so close to V? The obvious answer is because Johnny is in V's brain, but he genuinely gets close to V too, as a separate person. They have an inter-class friendship, and Care being such a huge star, and V being a merc living in a shithole apartment, Carrie probably feels a bit closer to his youth with V, both because of Johnny and also because Carrie can slum it with V. He can play the average Night City person, eat at diners, drive in old cars, and just run around causing mayhem with V. It's probably really freeing, an escape, especially because when V met Carrie, he basically never left his apartment. At the end of a conversation on the balcony, the first opportunity to do anything romantic with Carrie arrives. Night City is a city of shadows. And everything I could to walk clear of them for years. Fuck. I still got a lot to prove to this city. You? You're at the top. The city's yours. What's there to be afraid of? Yeah, we'll talk about this again someday. Once you're in my shoes. Think it's in the cards for me? I'm sure it is. Hold you to your word on that. Is he? Does it matter? Nah, not anymore. So that last part, they were kissing. Carrie wondered if Johnny was kissing him or if it was V. I think this especially shows how attached Carrie has gotten to V, but it's important to point this out. While Carrie is technically bi, both in the original tabletop game and according to 2077 lore, 
A female-bodied V cannot romance Carrie. You can try to kiss him at this point, but he won't reciprocate. There are only hints at his bisexuality, given he has an ex-wife, and like I said earlier, there's bras laying around his home. But this is not being bi if only a male V can romance Carrie. I mean, Carrie could have technically realized he's in fact gay rather than bi, but the game didn't make that clear. So this comes off as some bi erasure. If you want more in-depth reasoning why that is problematic, you can listen to our interview with Ben Sabin. But honestly, I think this situation with Carrie is more an issue with the developers not fully committing to one or the other, like Carrie being bi or Carrie being gay, thus causing this feeling of erasure. Yeah, and it's... I don't know exactly how to put this part into words. Because it is completely valid for somebody to live a majority of their life thinking that they are attracted to, you know, both men and women or non-binary people and then solidify. No, 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 not solidifying a decision because being bi doesn't mean that you haven't made up your mind yet. So like the, oh, I realize that I'm gay or I have less attraction towards women now than I have in my past. Yes, that is valid. That is a statement to say, but it's not like one day I woke up and decided that I was gay instead of bi. Mm. Yeah. And you know, what's weird. It's the developers even were like, they came out and said Carrie's initial attraction to V was specifically because Johnny was in their brain, but you can only romance him as male V. So it's like if Carrie really was bi, even with the Johnny attraction, he should have been able to be romanced by either bodied V. It shouldn't have mattered. And honestly, adding that little bit about him being attracted to Johnny kind of makes it feel gross. Like it's not, even though it doesn't come out that way in the game, it does feel more authentic that Carrie does actually like V for V. With the developers kind of saying that, it makes it feel like it's not a real romance, you know? It's like just Carrie pining after Johnny still. And that's kind of doing both characters disservice, you know? Yeah. Especially when a canon sexuality has been established for so long. Like you said, the original game came out in 88. And so to change that now, it does seem a little bit odd. I could also see that they wanted it to fit the formula of the game. One straight, one gay on both sides. So having a bi character might have thrown off the balance there because we wouldn't want to make Judy a bi option. And then that would be, well, then Pan Am could have been bi maybe. And then that would have, yeah. nah, who fucking knows, man. I'm not the one that makes I, these decisions. And yeah. then maybe I there should that... have been a fifth character. <laughs> Yeah, that I think more romance options are not only desired by people, but would have been welcome just in general. But I, I mean, I don't think it would have been a problem if they made Carrie gay in this game, if they had just put something in there to define that instead of just kind of like wishy-washy. Like they have little Easter eggs saying that he's bi, but like there's no proof. There's no pudding, you know, it's just... You have to romance him as male V, so he's gay, clearly, I guess. I mean, otherwise, I don't know, you would be able to romance him as female V also. If you are playing as a male-bodied V, you can romance him. And the next time you see Carrie, it's when he invites you onto his manager's fancy yacht for some relaxation time. 
Carrie plays you some songs on an apparently ultra-rare fancy-ass guitar. And it's really cute to see him go on about music and his guitar. I just love seeing people talk about what they're passionate about. He opens up a bit more to V, talking about his guru Kian in the Philippines and closing some loops. V questions if it has anything to do with Johnny, and it does. Loops overlapping with other loops, all connecting at this moment. He stands up, smashes his guitar. Yeah, that's super exclusive. Only five exist in the world, guitar. It's chaos and destruction time, carries M.O. for sure. We've arrived at the romance culmination scene. I know it seems soon, but Carrie doesn't do cutesy relationship shit yet. Yep, and I think this is a good time for us to take a mid-break right before we board the Seamurai. Uh, do we have... Oh, I think the only little fun fact that I found out about Carrie, and I had to do so much research to look into this, is that in this, this next upcoming scene, they forgot to have the voice actor record any of um, the, shall we say, background dialogue? <laughs> All of the moans and groans and uh, uh, fun noises that are made in the sex scene weren't recorded by the original voice actor. So one of the writers for Carrie's lines just popped into the voice box one day and was like, yeah, I'll record it. And this guy is super awesome. He's a Twitch streamer who will stream Cyberpunk 2077 and give you background knowledge and information about like what was going through their minds when they designed this little portion of it. Like, oh, if you turn and look over here, there's a little hidden gem for you. So it's really fun. I didn't watch the entire stream because they, he goes back and timestamps it. So I was able to jump just to the part where he was talking about how he... um his, it's not his proudest moment to have voiced off, voice acted cock gobbling. <laughs> but I was like, that's oh my gosh, so when you, awesome. When you said he was providing like background context, I thought you were going to say like he just while he's streaming doing the mo- the back moans. Like. Oh, no, no. He was talking about how he recorded those lines. No, he was not moaning during his stream. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like one of those... Um, you know how on DVDs you have a movie and then you have like the whole movie where the director and some actors just like mm. commented on the whole thing, like the commentary. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that. I did watch that for some for some movies. Oh yeah, because I'm a nerd. It's always great, good fun. I'll try to. We'll find it. Put it in the description. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I guess because people don't know, I honestly didn't know either because they don't. Unless you read all his emails, they don't really. Oh, no, Carrie does just, like, specifically say this, but I think it just, like, vanished out of my brain because that happens a lot. Carrie's Filipino. He's from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. My aunt is Filipino. Oh, fun. Yeah, she's great. Aunt Jenny, shout out. Yeah. That face, that skin tone, the facial features, especially in the cheeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That man's eyes. Pretty I can't. Cool, just... he, he is. He's he's fucking hot dude like i i can't he's now my new background on my laptop (laughs) i mean we one can only hope that we look anywhere close to this in our 80s right right and also when we when you get to the scene that you're about to break down the whole time i was watching the scene i was like he's 80 he's 80 he's 80 like what (laughs) never once crossed my mind 
Nope. It was more of like, a, not, not to like turn me off of it, more of like an awe, like he is still very physically capable mm-hmm. as an elder. <laughs> <laughs> as a silver fox daddy. Oh, okay. Before we jump back on board, we have one little task to take care of. And it's my favorite part of the mid-break. And that is thanking our patrons. And we do have a new patron to shout out to. Becky, thank you so much for joining in on the Patreon. You are now a true shipmate, and we very much appreciate it. So let's run down the list here. Toasty, Beast Mode, In My Heart Forever. Apollo, hello, hello. Meiji Moose, thank you so much for the big Twitter shout out. Like, that was an adorable movie. Movie? Movie from Meiji. Uh, Vid, thank you so much. Captain Shanko, I got your message that you will be joining us on the Patreon at the end of the month. So happy your internet is finally fixed and good to go. Stoned Mistheos, sad that we missed you last month. Hopefully you can join us this one. The Teacups, Shelby and Austin, big love to ya. And congrats on getting that mini-isode up so damn fast. Props to you guys. And Psych88, loves... And congrats on nailing the part of Benedict. I fucking love our patrons. We got some cool people. You should join us, other people listening. If you want to be cool, give us money and we'll listen to you talk once a month. I'm selling it really well, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) It's more than that, but it's also exactly that. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready? Let's get back into it. I actually really like the lead up for this scene. It feels like a real opening of the soul. Talking about turning off all the outside interference and just being in the moment. And the music Carrie plays is a beautiful backdrop. The sound of the water lapping against the yacht just adds another layer. And it gets too real. Too emotional. And that's what makes the ensuing chaos much more frantic. So let's Delta. Chaos awaits. All right, everyone, class is in session. Here we go. During the research of this video, I learned that I need to do it while not in a voice chat, hanging out with friends, watching borderline porn that is hot and lusty and so brain-breaking should not be done in front of an audience. Again, to you three, I apologize for subjecting you to me absolutely losing my shit. Okay, let's start this fiery, passionate fuckfest. There is no way to call this scene anything less than a frantic, adrenaline-filled smasher. Once you've broken enough of the Seamurai's interior, Carrie locks lips with you and the show begins. He looks at you with devilish intent in his eyes, and I start to unravel. The music starts to play, and this sex god starts to dance for you. The first sway of the back with the hips up high, mood setter. There's something about this game being so set in the first person that when a person looks you in the eyes, it can really feel like they are looking directly at you. It adds a lot to the scene for me. I will also go on record by saying I understand completely if this is not your dynamic. 
what I'm about to go through is some rough, semi-violent, but consensual sex. That's not for everyone, and I get that. Okay, after kissing you, Carrie very deftly removes your belt and presumably pants, and he moves to the couch and gives you a prime view and target for a spank. Things move quickly from there. We learn that lots of people in Night City like to give oral, and I'm very happy that it's not just the ladies. And then shit gets fucking insane. Carrie brandishes a lighter. I got a little worried that this would test even my limits. But no. The flame gets thrown over to the pillows that have been doused in all the smashed liquor bottles. A fire starts to burn and raises the heat in so many ways. The literal fire lights a metaphorical fire, and the guys throw themselves fully into it. Carrie takes control and shoves you onto the couch and slams into you. A few moments of watching Carrie move at a fast pace, and then V slaps Carrie on the cheek, and then a choke brings him into a position change. We see Carrie fully naked in all of his glory, as it is his turn to bend over the couch. V takes his position, and the sounds in my headphones of a crackling fire, blaring music, and those fucking moans. Core overload imminent. Malfunction detected. (sighs) The scene continues with a few more position changes and more fine ass fucking. These two have stamina, reach, and flexibility. But it becomes quickly apparent that the ship is quite literally going to burn soon. So, in a mad dash, these two naked-ass men run out of the Seamurai and dive into the water. I, too, need a splash of cold water to the face and a cool-down period. Whew. <laughs> I'm also couldn't get through you even just talking about it, because I'm such a baby. I watched it, and I'm like, oh, no, there was slapping happening, because I'm just a baby. But yeah, like I said... Like you said, it's not for everyone. This scene is for someone. It's just not for me. Um, I kind of got to thinking, though. Like, I don't want to read too much into it. But, like, is there a reason that the two male V romance options have, like, wild and unhinged sex scenes? And the two female V romance options have intimate and sensual sex scenes? It's almost as if the developers think men only want wild sex and women only want making love. River scene kind of like edges into rough, and I mean the very edge of edges. They could get like pushed up onto a table and knock a beer bottle over, and that's like, ooh, that's, that's as hard as it gets. It's still very intimate. It's not as sensual as Judy's. Pan Am's like inside a tank when people are attacking you and carries when the yacht burns down around you. So, I mean, very different types of scenes between the two groups of romance options. I mean, I am that woman who wants that emotional connection, but some wild stuff won't hurt now and again. It's a shame that they limit these romances to one or the other, though. Like, your sex with Carrie seems about par for the course for his normal hookups, and I would have liked to see something different for V, specifically. 
Carrie opens up to V in a way he doesn't normally to anyone and like will literally write you a song after this. It's so cute. It's romantic as hell. So it's a shame that your only sex scene in the game is kind of like angry and full of violence. I think that same sex scene could have happened in Carrie's house and it would have felt like 10 times better. We could have destroyed the yacht separately. Like I just have a hard time combining revenge destruction of property with like the first time having sex as romantic but i think you disagree i do um mainly because and i think that this has a lot to do with our viewpoints from it i don't require romance to have a physical attraction i don't require romance to have sex so from a carry view standpoint the idea of just like doing something wild and crazy the passion builds up and then you fuck that stuff out. That to me makes a complete total sense in my mind. Even if they didn't have those emotional bonding moments ahead of time, I could still see this this sex happen. This to me feels like a Jack Renafuck situation. It could have happened either way. Um, so, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, I guess like they, I think my problem is like they didn't really have any other than the one kiss on the balcony that's like the only romantic thing before this happens with Carrie and so for me it just it does feel like a hookup at first and then later it's very clear that he wants a relationship you know and I mean that's fine it's just my preference I I found out about that this term like a while ago demisexual I think that's what I am like I literally cannot even think about having sex with someone unless I've got an emotional tie in some way like I so like this whole scene I was like this is not for me but I can objectively see that it's hot and people will enjoy it it's just I'm not that people yeah no and I can totally get it from your your viewpoint too even though whatever the opposite of a demisexual would be is kind of where I think I would fall along the lines of because I (laughs) don't have why we make a good team right (laughs) So yeah, I know. I I was like, uh, I think the first time is rough and wild, but when you wake up next to him later on, I think that was their night of passion, their night of lovemaking, of really getting to know Mm -hmm. each other, not the hardcore, holy shit, this is hot. I want to fuck out the energy or use all of this energy to apply extra spice. Yeah. I will say those endings where you're in the um, apartment and you wake up with him next to you, I feel like that almost felt more special because of it. Like, you already had that cute moment with Judy and stuff, but Carrie, it's like, that's the first time you really... He's, like, asleep, and, you know, he's just bare before you. He still has his his eyeliner on, of course, but, like, you know, he's just asleep, and that's so... it's That's very intimate, that part right there, and I, I did like that a lot. Yeah. It's cute. I really like Carrie. Yeah, he's adorable. He's hot. He's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's fun. All those things. Okay. I was going, I was trying to be object- objective about this scene. Like, really, really was. How did it compare to the others in the game? How does it compare to other games that I have played or reviewed? And maybe my eyes are blinded by the piercing green. Or my ears are still ringing with those masculine groans. But for the sex alone, 10 out of 10. The actual romance, though. The full relationship between Karen V. 
I agree it should probably be lower than 10. But God, do yeah, they we'll fuck get hot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the romance. Um, but as we said in Judy's episode, the game has six endings, and they're all kind of bad endings for anyone, V romances, because no matter what, V still only has about six months to live. I won't go into detail about what each ending is, because you should really play the game, but they're called The Devil, The Sun, The Star, Temperance, The Secret Ending, and The Path of Least Resistance Ending. Basically, if V dies in any way and is romancing Carrie, he's understandably very upset and lashes out in the voicemail he leaves in the end credits. Yet another love of Carrie's died. If you choose Temperance and Johnny takes over V's body, he ghosts Carrie too, just like he ghosted Judy. Like, honestly, you'd think he'd at least give Carrie some courtesy. But Carrie, his old pal... Even if he doesn't offer it to the other three love interests, I think that's just, ugh. Come on, Johnny. I know you're an asshole, but that's real big asshole move right there. Yeah. No, it, that one I think hurts even more. Like, leaving, ghosting Judy, yes, I, I don't like it, uh, but I kind of understand it. But the whole reason that you met Carrie was because Johnny wanted to check in on him. Why wouldn't you say goodbye? You fuckwit. I know. He's like, my my old friend is suicidal. I really want to go check on him. Body proceeds to romance and fall in love with him. And then he selflessly gives you his body. And he's just like, peace out. I will never say another word to my old friends. I'm just going to get on a bus and get the fuck out of Night City. <sighs> okay. If you choose the star ending and leave Night City with the nomads, Carrie won't leave with you. He'll meet you in the Badlands and drop the news that he can't leave Night City. That he still has business to do out there. This one, I put the full minute of the clip in just because I feel like this conversation, while it is a quote breakup scene, it actually leads a lot of what their relationship was like. So, enjoy. And you'll see to it without me? Not a problem, I guess. Hey! Unfair. You know Maybe a few I... months, Care. We figure something out after. Unless your fucking tours are longer than that. Shit. Fuck me! Fuck! Fight! I'm scared! Afraid of the future. Afraid to leave the city in a moment like this. If I leave with you now, I'd have to come back... alone. try to understand who says he'd even have to come back the fuck was all that chat about life's loops well thing with loops is we all got our own and they're singular at base ours just intertwined for a bit for a bit i know i thought we'd make it too i did but that was just fucking night city it's illusions whispering sweet nothings in our ears looks like we might have believed them who wouldn't have Oh, it breaks my heart. Ugh. My favorite line that Kara says is, I'm afraid to leave the city at a moment like this. If I leave with you now, and then I have to come back alone. V, I couldn't take it. 
I couldn't. Ugh. I feel sad because, like, he wants to stay in Night City, but he also sounds like he hates it. No one seems happy in this world, and it makes me sad. Yeah. I don't want to end up like them. No, absolutely not. Oh, like, the, the decision to make your own life better by going off with the nomads, it is a valid decision. It is something that V could really want to do, but it just hurts Carrie so much. And, oh, I, I don't think I could do that to him. I don't know. I just worry for him if they do stay together, though. Because V, and, and until maybe the DLC's released, who knows? But V's not long for the world either way. So it's now or then he'll be facing that. All okay. of them. Anyone you romance. I also think, but that would give you more time. I mean, yes, it is only six months. But that would give you one more time to mentally prepare for it. And to physically prepare for a departure. And I think it would be more, it would be more scary to me to know that my lover is out there in the world and then one day they're not. Because if you, if we are together and that's when you die, I at least know that that's when it happened. I can get my closure that way. If you run off with the nomads and Carrie's back in Night City, he's never gonna know unless one of the other people tells him. That's true. I guess for both Judy and Carrie, it seems like the romance gives them a purpose where if you don't romance them they kind of do better in a way i mean, I don't want to throw shade because it's like i obviously we love romance i'm going to choose to romance somebody in any game that offers that choice to me but like for judy if you don't romance her and you just kind of help her she'll move to oregon with her grandparents and she's probably better off there honestly and Carrie, if you help him, he does the collab album with Us Cracks and you don't romance him. He announces a new tour with them, like to you in the credits. So it seems like he has a purpose to live again, like you've given him that at least. But if the purpose you gave him was the love he has for you rather than his own job motivation, you know, it seems like not sustainable just because of V's prognosis. It's a bummer. I hope that whatever the big DLC is that they release next year lets us at least have an option to cure RVs for good. Yeah, agreed. If you wanted to stay in a relationship with Carrie, your two options are the devil and the sun endings, where you stay in Night City and let V keep the body. You can wake up to an adorable, sleepy Carrie and spend a nice morning with him in the apartment. When his new manager calls, he'll toss the phone just to tell you this. Apropos of nothing, uh, I think our relationship might have taught me something. Really? What? Uh, sometimes you just gotta say fuck it to the past. Damn straight. Past's best left where it is. And the future's worthy of very cautious consideration. Wasted so much time running like a hamster on a wheel. Not sure what I was even after. Carrie was trapped in regret for so many years, longing for a friend he loved and that he never really got a chance to say goodbye to. V not only brought him closure with Johnny, but he also brought him requited love. 
Carrie finally has someone who really sees him and loves him just for him, who is successful and competent on their own and isn't after him for money, fame, notoriety, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of already said this, but I didn't much care for the sex scene just because it lacked the romance I'm after. But the romance is here at the end. And for that, I'm giving the romance for Carrie a score of 6 out of 10. There's a couple reasons I've rated it this low, because I know I'm normally a 10 out of 10 always. But it's because his romance isn't really fleshed out. The only romance and relationship stuff we get with Carrie is limited to the very end. And I really wish they would have done more with his celebrity status and like maybe have some dates to go on. You know, like he's a celebrity. Your V's kind of a nobody, even if you get up to the end of the game and you get some street cred. The corpo people don't notice you. It would have been interesting to see you kind of join worlds, you know. The difference in scenes between someone who befriends Carrie and who romances Carrie aren't very great, so it doesn't feel like much thought was put into it. The fact that Carrie is supposedly bi but female V can't romance him is annoying too. So another point off I sew for that. In fact, there's no bi romance option available at all in Cyberpunk. Judy requires a female body and voice V to romance. Carrie needs male voice and body V. Pan Am needs a male body but either voice, and River needs a female body but either voice. So you can headcanon a romance with a trans V, maybe, with the voice thing, but not really. That's everyone's biggest complaint with Cyberpunk, for a game that marketed how customizable everything is, even choosing penis size. It's so limited. You can only choose from two penis sizes, for example, and a limited amount of tattoos and are always limited to only one or two romance options. I think Carrie is a beautiful soul. The mother in me wants to just wrap him up tight and soothe whatever caused him to be this closed off and insecure. Why does he feel so alone? A romanced Carrie has some good things happening in his life, but like I said already, V's just going to die, at least as far as we know right now. That will hurt him whether he breaks up with you in the desert or if he wakes up next to you in Night City at the end. Maybe a safer choice for him is to just be his friend. Hopefully the DLC will give us a chance to save our Vs. Mm-hmm. And save our lovers from any hurt that they may endure in the future. I know. I've said I like star-crossed lovers, but like this is they're all that way, and it's painful that there's no happy ending. Yeah. You know? I'm trying to think if I need a happy Yeah, it's Night City. It's depressing. It's not supposed to be fun. I mean, it's supposed to be fun to play the game, but it's also... happy. Yeah, it's not supposed to be happy. But if we make you happy, and if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in our Two Girls, One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon at Two Girls One Ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server now, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live stream on Twitch and YouTube on Fridays at 10:30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7:30 p.m. Pacific Time. Mm-hmm. 
Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So, thanks for listening, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts.